It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. If you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Another great guest for you lined up this week, Isaiah Austin. He's currently working for the NBA League office as a player development league director, former basketball star at Baylor University. He played pro basketball abroad for five years, starting in 2016. He was taking his physical for the 2014 NBA draft. They discovered he had Marfan syndrome and NBA doctors restricted him from playing in the NBA. His NBA dream was dashed, but he has pivoted beautifully After receiving that diagnosis, he's now using his basketball acumen on and off the court in a different way after NBA commissioner Adam Silver befriended him and offered him a job at the NBA league office. I actually met Isaiah in person. Uh, I was doing a project for USA Basketball in Colorado Springs at their headquarters, and I had the pleasure of meeting Isaiah. I wanted to have him on to share his inspiring story and kind of update everyone on what he's doing now and what the future holds for him. I think you'll be inspired. You know, a lot of us get tough news over the course of our life. Um, Isaiah, honestly, was one of the closest things we've seen to this Victor Wembenaya kid out of France who is taking the world by storm and is expected to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. He is a skilled big man, had it all, and, uh, you know, got that tough diagnosis. So I think you'll enjoy hearing from him and you'll be inspired by this conversation. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized performance system 
that analyzes biomarker data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. Inside Tracker's mission is to improve the health span of people everywhere so they can enjoy longer, healthier lives, adding life to their years and years to their life. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com backslash SBR. That's insidetracker.com backslash SBR and save 20% today. I'm joined by executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And uh, I mean, you talk about inspiring uh, listening through that interview. It, he really is. I mean, talk about a guy that literally gets that diagnosis, thinks he's going to be at the top of his game playing NBA for the rest of his, you know, 10 years or whatever. And then boom, like that, life changes. And, uh, you know, you said the word pivot and talk about <laughs> big time pivot. I mean, instantly he goes from not being able to play to how do I change this and make this something positive? And man, he has some great stories and what he's done and, and is doing in the NBA is awesome. Yeah. And what I saw him do with USA basketball was it really interesting. You've got these elite junior basketball players, anywhere from 14 to 18 years old. Isaiah has been in their shoes. And, and by the way, he was the best of the best. He was the number one ranked high school player. So if anyone is well suited to give them advice on what's coming and what lies ahead on and off the court, it's Isaiah. So I think it's brilliant yeah. that this is what he's pivoted to. Um, as you'll hear, you know, he does have aspirations to work for an NBA team and be in the front office. And I think he would be great and would add a lot to a team. Again, he's got that player perspective, but he's super bright as well and knows the business of, of basketball. And I mean, who better to learn from than Adam Silver, right? And, right. and the league office. So, I mean, you want to talk about an apprenticeship <laughs> that will prepare you. I mean, and, and give a lot of credit to Adam Silver, um, you know, I, I know Adam a little bit and, you know, what a, a great gesture from him after Isaiah receives this really uh, crushing news to, you know, allow him not only to come on stage and, and you know, take a wave and, and shake Commissioner Silver's hand at the 2014 NBA draft. But then, you know, he basically says to Isaiah, look, go finish your degree. Once you have your degree, come see me and we've got a job at the league office for you. So uh, good story. And again, I think you'll enjoy hearing from Isaiah Austin. Um, if you've missed our last two shows, God, what great guests. We had Ryan Leaf on two weeks ago, Carly Lloyd on last week. So I would invite our listeners to um, go and, and listen to those interviews. Those are really candid conversations as well with both of them. And, uh, you know, we've had some great guests lately. So if you're not subscribing to the Sports Business Radio podcast, please do so on iTunes or Spotify. We've also got a YouTube channel, so you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Find all of that at sportsbusinessradio.com. All right, Greg, some headlines before we get to the interview with Isaiah Austin. What an epic weekend of college football last weekend. I mean, it was one of the rare weekends where I was able to sit and watch some games. You know, usually I'm running around doing something or traveling. I posted up and watched that Alabama Tennessee game. You're not going to see a better college football no. game. And um, the ratings just came in the numbers. CBS averaged 11.6 million viewers for that thriller. Wow. That was the most watched college football game this season to date. So, you know, there was a lot of buildup. A lot of people wanted to see is Tennessee for real. Can they play with Alabama? And they did. Um, one of the funny things afterwards is the students 
took down the goalposts <laughs> and literally took them off campus and threw them in the river. <laughs> so Tennessee, which has like over a billion dollar endowment, sends out a posting on social media saying we're doing a GoFundMe. We need $150,000 to replace the goalposts before next week. And part of it is funny because like the goalpost just disappeared. I mean, if you've seen the pictures, it's like a sea of orange and yeah. the goalpost just disappeared. The other part that's funny is here you've got this university with literally over a billion dollar endowment and they're asking people to uh, pay for the $150,000 goalpost. I mean, come on, that, that, Victory was worth $150,000. If you lose a goalpost or two as part of the victory celebration, you just factor that in. Yeah. No, that game was just uh, epic. And you knew it was going to be that way. I mean, Neyland Stadium is unbelievable. The colors are great. Tennessee fans are awesome. There's always a good showing there. And just, I mean, everybody wants to be Bama. So you've got that rivalry in the SEC. You got the crowd jamming. You got, you know, primetime broadcast with the crew from CBS. Everything was great. looked great. And what a way to finish. I mean, that game was so back and forth in that fourth quarter, too. Bama took the lead. I'm like, oh, here we go. Bama's going to figure out a way. And then Tennessee, bam, bam, right back at it. That was fun. Well, then we're on the West Coast. And if you stay up late, you watch Pac-12 after dark. And you see USC and Utah. Yeah. And that was a great game. And that came down to the end. And USC suffered their first loss of the year, lose by 1.43-42. But you know, at the end of the day, you go to sleep and you say, these are two of the best college football games that I'll see. If if the national championship at the end of the year is any better than either one of those two games, I'd be surprised. I mean, totally. I, I just, it was as good as it gets. And, you know, the TV audience was great. And I got to tell you, um, watching college football this year has been more exciting and more compelling to me than watching the NFL. There have been some bad games in the NFL. How about this? I saw this stat the other day. If you're betting the over-under in the NFL so far this season, there have been more unders than any year since 1994. Wow. So it tells you there's not a lot of points being scored. There's a lot of sloppy play. There's a lot of turnovers. You know, you look at like Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who have always been, you know, MVP caliber quarterbacks, and they're all having off years. Yeah. And, you know, it's just been interesting. But I find myself being very compelled by these college football matchups, especially last weekend. So, you know, we've got a long way to go. Um, but wow, those were two of the best college football games you'll ever see. And to have them happen on the same day was pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty fun. And I agree. I've been more into college this year, too. It's been more compelling. There have been great matchups and just down the wire. Lots of points scored, lots of parity back and forth. Uh, I was that Monday night game last night. Uh, Broncos had 125 yards and penalties at halftime. I mean, like, come on, guys. We're in the NFL here. <laughs> well, and I saw the stat. Justin Herbert, 57 passes he threw. It's the most ever in a game without throwing a touchdown. <laughs> so you, you throw 57 passes. Jeez. And it doesn't include a touchdown. Crazy. So just crazy stats this year with the NFL. All right, let's talk Major League Baseball playoffs. Griggs, as I said last week, I think Major League Baseball did a really poor job of kind of alerting everyone. Hey, we have a new format for the playoffs starting this year. We don't have that play-in game. You know, the first round, I think, was best of first one to three. Yeah. Um, second round, first one to three. Then the, you know, 
NLCS and ALCS and World Series are best of seven. But, you know, kind of confusing. Where are we finding the games? Are they on FS1? Are they on regular Fox? Are they on TBS? Are they on TNT? Where the heck are the games? So if you find the games, they've been pretty compelling. If we went by last year's format, the Philadelphia Phillies don't even get in. They're the number six seed. And it's really interesting. You've got the Phillies and the Padres in the NLCS, the number five and six seeds. And out are the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets, who all won over 100 games. So it shows you this format is almost kind of like March Madness, where yeah. you know Cinderella can come in and knock off Godzilla, and all of a sudden you find Phillies and, and Padres, five and six seeds, in the NLCS. And, you know, in the AL, as we record this, the Astros are in, so they're the number one seed in the AL, but they could face Cleveland. And Cleveland is also, you know, a Cinderella story. I really want, and I tweeted this out there, you know, I'm partial or impartial. I don't really care about matchups much. I really want to see Yankees Astros because of the bad blood between those two franchises and, you know, the Yankees feeling a few years ago, like the Astros were cheating. And I just want to see that matchup. I, I think it would be great theater. And, you know, it's in New York. Guarantee you Major League Baseball would prefer to have Yankees Astros than Guardians Astros, even though the Guardians play a great quality of, of baseball. But we'll see. Um, and, you know, so that's kind of like if that matchup takes place in the AL, you've got the two heavyweights, the number one and two seed. But then over in the NL, you've got the five and six seed. So it's just been interesting to see how the new format has impacted things. Because like we said, if this was last year's format, the Phillies aren't even in. And, you know, you look at Bryce Harper. All it takes is one or two players to get hot. And Bryce Harper hasn't been uh, healthy all year long. Now he's healthy. That dude can carry a team through three series or four series and, and you know, win a championship for you. And you know, you see San Diego and Philadelphia building this confidence. And then I love to see those fan bases. Those are starving fan bases. They have not had playoff baseball in a long, long time. Um, what's the stat I saw with the Padres? They hadn't had a home playoff win in front of fans since 1998. Yeah. So that's 24 years. So anytime you get to see these fan bases who don't typically have success and host playoff games, get to host these games. It's fun to watch. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's. I love that the Padres are in because, like you said, we haven't seen that forever. And uh, you know, it's kind of fun. Look, if you're, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're a Dodgers or a Braves fan, you're hurting right now. But it's kind of nice to not have the Dodgers and the Braves in. I'm right. like, I'm liking that. Houston is damn good. I mean, they are they are firing on all cylinders. They took my Mariners to, you know, killed them in three. That 18 inning game was nuts. But Houston has so many, so many weapons. So that Yankees Houston would be fun. Yankees got to stop. It's raining in New York. It's like flooding. I mean, they can't play a game. They keep getting them canceled. So hopefully <laughs> the rain stops in New York and they can actually finish the series. By the way, uh, let's tip our cap to Mariners fans in Seattle. So again, a starving fan base. They hadn't hosted a playoff game since 2001. A lot of times during an 18 inning game, you're going to see the stands start to empty out. By the time the game's over, you look in the crowd, half the crowd is gone. Right. Griggs, I didn't see anyone leaving. Like those no. fans stayed for all 18 innings. They were loud. They were engaged. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know too many, like the Dodgers fan base or, 
maybe even the Yankees fan base. I don't think they're sticking around for 18 innings. No, no, it was crazy. And uh, they said they were lining up like three hours before. I think they stood the whole game. I, I watched the whole game. There was people standing behind home plate the entire game, like 18 innings just standing there and they were loving it. So too bad they lost it, but it was fun seeing Seattle show up. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, what do you think from here on out? By the way, our predictions, especially mine for MLB, I think I missed every prediction. I think <laughs> yeah. I got the Astros right. Yeah. I think I missed every other prediction. I yeah. picked the Braves. I picked the Mets. I picked the Dodgers. So, you know, I suck when it comes to the MLB yeah. predictions. But for the rest of the way, uh, who? well, let's start with NLCS. We know who's in that matchup. Phillies, Padres, who do you like? I got to go Padres. I mean, I, I like that it's West Coast for me. I've always loved the Padres organization. I love their uniforms. I just love their vibe. So I'm taking Padres there. I think it'll be close series because they're both pretty equal and they're both kind of playing for, you know, they haven't been there for a while. So it's, it's good. So I got Padres there. And then if the Yankees get through and it's Houston Yankees, great series, but I still think Houston has more power. I think Houston wins that one. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Padres as well in seven. I think that nice. goes the full length. The only reason I'm picking the Padres is because I think their bullpen is better. You know, they get Suarez in the eighth, they get Hayter in the ninth. True. And, you know, their bullpen is pretty locked down. I think they've allowed one run in yeah. the postseason. And, you know, they beat the Mets and the Dodgers to Not get bad. to the Phillies. I mean, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the Phillies are playing great. And the wild card, again, is Bryce Harper. Like, that guy is from another planet. So if he decides he's going to hit a home run every game, he can literally carry the Phillies through this thing. And, you know, he's probably the best player in that series. So if he decides... He's going to flex his muscles and be the best player in that series. Then the Phillies probably win, but I'm going to go Padres in seven. And then if it is Astros Yankees, I'm going to go Yankees. I I think the Yankees are fired up and I think they've got some uh, bad blood there with Houston. Um, So I I'm going to go Yankees. And then if it's Astros Guardians, I'm going to go Astros. I think the Guardians are great, but they're not ready to beat the Astros yet so um you know it'd be interesting i mean you could have a rematch of the yankees padres world series from i think 2001 yeah or 2000 1998 i don't know it was a long time somewhere in there yeah um you know you could have a yankees phillies which would be you know the people on the east coast would be going Mm -hmm. nuts you could have a padres guardians i mean like there's all kinds of matchups but you know, I, I think if you're asking the TV execs at Fox, they they want the Yankees in there. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, the NBA season starts tonight, Griggs, and for the first time ever, the NBA brought in over ten billion dollars in revenues in 2022. So they're expected to hit double digits again. This is after declining the two previous seasons because of the pandemic. So they came back with a vengeance last year. They're expected to hit double digits in revenue again this season. So, um, you know, the other news I saw this week is that Turner signed the NBA on TNT crew to 10-year deals. So Ernie, Charles, Shaq, Kenny, 10-year deals. And it's pretty bold because the NBA is still negotiating its media rights. So there's a scenario, probably very unlikely, but there is a scenario where TNT isn't carrying NBA games because they get outbid. 
And then what do you do with that contract? Do they have a clause in there that says, hey, if we don't have the NBA, the contract is null and void. But I think they feel confident, obviously, if they're doing these 10-year deals. But I love it because I love that show. It's yeah. the best studio show on TV in any sport. Yep. I love that they're keeping those guys together. And, uh, you know, we're kicking off the season tonight with a double header uh, on TNT. So I'm happy to see those guys. And, um, you know, I, I think the NBA season is going to be really interesting because you've got some stars coming back. Kawhi's coming back. Dame Lillard's coming back. Um, Jamal Murray is coming back. Chris Middleton is coming back, who was out for the playoffs. Um, you know, what's Ben Simmons going to look like on the Nets? Uh, how's James Harden going to do in a full season with the Sixers? By the way, I'll throw out my two NBA bets of the season. And I think these are like, unless there's injuries, which could always happen, I, I just think they're like no brainers. But if you look at the over under win total prop bets, you've got the Nuggets and the Sixers sitting at 50 and a half games. I would bet the over on both of those. I think the Sixers are going to have a great regular season. I think the Nuggets, who have, you know, the back to back MVP in Jokic, they've got Michael Porter Jr. coming back. They've got Jamal Murray coming back. I think they'll easily win over 50.5 games. So, you know, I'm not here to give out betting advice, but when I saw those two, I was like, wow, like if I was going to bet, I would bet on the over on the Nuggets and the Sixers regular season over 50 and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think I was, we were talking a little before we jumped on about, you know, NBA predictions for the year. I kind of think out of the West, I think if Jamal Murray stays healthy, I think it's down to the Nuggets Warriors in that Western Conference. And it'd be fun to see the Nuggets get in because uh, they've been so close. They've been hinting at it, you know, getting almost there. And then Jamal got hurt and all that. So I think in the West, it's Nuggets, Warriors. And then in the East, I think, yeah, Joel Embiid and the 76ers, if they can stay healthy with Harden going all year and Tobias, I think they're going to be right there with uh, Brooklyn. If Brooklyn can, can put that big three together and they can play all season with Ben Simmons back, I mean, how do they not, you know, compete? So those are my two, uh, my four top teams for the NBA. All right, who's your finals? Finals will go. I'll go with uh, Nuggets versus Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You really have faith in Brooklyn. You, you really think that they're gonna? I Kyrie's think they not gonna have any meltdowns. <laughs> Katie's gonna stay healthy. It's a risk. Ben Simmons <laughs> is gonna. I I just think there's too many variables. Probably. There. I'm gonna go Milwaukee versus Denver in the NBA finals. I think this is the year that Denver breaks through. Yeah. I think they stay healthy. I love the Clippers, but I don't have faith that PG and Kawhi are going to stay healthy. Yeah. And, you know, you just look at like, what are the variables involved? And I think Milwaukee and Denver are great teams. And I think Milwaukee probably should have been in the finals last year again, but Middleton got hurt. So they lost to Boston. Um, I think if he doesn't get hurt, they're in the finals. And and boy, Giannis versus the Warriors would have been yeah. a really good matchup. Drew Holiday taking on Steph and trying to lock him down. Like that would have been a great matchup. I like Golden State this year, but again, I think they have too many variables. Uh, you know, Draymond Green is in his free agent season. So that could either be he's gonna play great after punching Jordan Poole <laughs> or He's going to go in the tank and they're going to have to trade him and he's going to be a disruption. By the way, the Warriors re-signed Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins this last week. Yeah. Briggs, 
they're going to pay more in luxury tax than the combined payrolls of the New York Knicks and the Memphis Grizzlies. Wow. So, you know, some people may look at that and go, that's irresponsible. That's crazy. What are they doing? I look at it and go, for my favorite team, if my owner or owners are all in like that, God bless them. Yeah. Like they see the window here with Steph and Clay, right? And they know, all right, we've probably got three more years here with those guys in prime playing condition. We're bringing up young guys like Poole and Moody and Kaminga. Um, so I think what they're doing is good, but it also shows you like they opened that chase center a few years ago. The Warriors are making a lot of money. Yeah. So if your owners are willing to pay 250 to $300 million, that's just in luxury tax. So the whole bill is going to come in at about half a billion dollars for the payroll for the Warriors. You're all in. And again, you know, some people may look at it like they did with George Steinbrenner back in the days with the Yankees. Oh my God, that's irresponsible. And how could you pay that much money? If it's resulting in championships, you're going to get those revenues from other places. And the other thing it tells you is the media rights that are going to happen in the next NBA negotiation are going to be enormous. Yeah. And I mean, let's prepare ourselves here, Griggs. We're going to see in the next five to six years, an NBA player making 70 to $80 million a year, yeah. a year. I mean, I saw a stat earlier this week, Jordan Poole, great young player for the Warriors, just signed um, I think it's $125 million deal. Mm-hmm. And then it had the other Jordan, Michael Jordan, made $93 million in his career on court. So obviously Michael Jordan's made a lot of money with the Jordan brand and as the owner of the Hornets. And But if you just look at on-court earnings, Jordan Poole has already almost doubled what Michael Jordan made in his career. So the money... In the next decade, I mean, I remember when we started Sports Business Radio in 2004, and if a player was making $5 million a year, that was a lot of money. Yeah. Now, we may see the player who makes $80 million in a season. I mean, we're going to see, ah, it's a four-year deal at $320 million. I mean, you look at someone like a Zion, if he stays healthier, you know, Jaw or Luca some of these young players, the amount of money they're going to make over the course of their career, they may approach a billion dollars just on court by the time they're done if they play a 15 to 20 year career. Well, it's crazy. Even during the season, you see somebody ups an extension or a trade deadline signing. It'll go up even from the beginning of the season. Like it's crazy how much these players make. And we were talking about the NFL, NFL too, some of these you know, wide receivers that are getting these extensions and stuff. And every season it's, oh, another 20 million, another 30 million than last year. I mean, every single season, it's just quadrupling. It's amazing how much this money goes up. Yeah. All right. I'm going to make another uh, wild NBA prediction. (laughs) Russell Westbrook will be traded in month one of the season. And Kyrie Irving will not finish the season with the Nets. (laughs) Those are my two wild predictions. I just think they're they're both way too flammable for their organizations. I don't trust that they're going to be on best behavior. You know, I already saw the other night, Russell Westbrook, you know, they had the huddle and Russell Westbrook is outside the huddle and he's sitting on the bench by himself. Like I always tell people body language sends messages. Yeah. 
and his body language right now around the Lakers, like, you know, you can see the pictures on media day with he and AD and uh, LeBron. But if you look at what's going on on the bench and in a game situation in the uh, regular season or the preseason, like it just doesn't look good. So I don't think he's going to be with the team much longer because I think they know we can't have this guy in our locker room because he's going to be a cancer to everyone else. Um, And I think that's what's going to happen with the Nets too. I really do. I think Kyrie is going to pull something like he has the last few years and it's just going to be the final straw and they're going to make a move there, whether it's by the deadline or um, I just don't think he finishes the season. Um, By the way, I'm going to throw this out there. This is NFL related. it's from a source I trust. I, I kind of like did a double take when this person told me this, but this is a, a person who is in the know. This person told me that Tom Brady would not finish this NFL season. Hmm. He will not finish this NFL season. And it won't be because of injury. He will retire before the season's wow. over. And if you look at their start so far, three and three, you look at, what's going on in his personal life. Right. It's crazy, but it's not that crazy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I don't want to turn into page six of the, the New York post here, <laughs> but I was, I did a double take when this person who I trust and is in the know told me that from what they've heard, they don't think that uh, Tom Brady is going to finish this NFL season. So it's something to keep an eye on. And, you know, you look at like Aaron Rodgers. It, it's hard when you see the greats. I mean, I know it's early in the season and there's a long way to go, but like, you know, father time catches up with everyone. Yeah. And father time is catching up with Rogers and Brady. Um, you know, they don't have weapons around them like they have in the past. Um, so, you know, they're both making a lot of money, but there's a lot of other things being lost in the process. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Those are going to be two interesting storylines to watch. Um, I'll end with this. You know, I've got Josh Allen, as you well know, on my underdog fantasy team. He's got more touchdown passes than three quarters of the teams in the NFL have right now. I think he has 17 touchdown passes. His hurdle over that player. I mean, this is a guy who's like six, six and he has a cannon arm. He runs like a gazelle. He jumps over players on the other team. I mean, I love watching Josh Allen and I love watching Patrick Mahomes. So that was a fun game to watch. It wasn't as compelling as the playoff thriller from last year, but it was still, you know, a down to the end game. But boy, you know, it's another fan base. We talked about the Phillies and the Padres fan bases. I would love to see the Bills fan base finally get a Super Bowl. And I love Josh Allen. Um, I like that team. You know, Vaughn Miller, boy, I mean, you sign a Vaughn Miller for a game like that. I mean, he was in Patrick Mahomes' shirt for the fourth quarter and, you know, had some big sacks. The guy's been there before. So that was a fun game to watch. Dude, I think if we could just have Bills, KC every Sunday, I'd be tuning in. I mean, those games are, both fan bases are insane. I love games in the Bills stadium because they're just, they're rampant. They're nuts. I love it. It's always cold. It just feels football. And uh, Josh Allen, I mean, yeah, 6'6", 250 with pads on, hurdles a guy way over him, cleared him like you couldn't believe it, wasn't even touched. The guy, he's so fun to watch, and his arm is insane, and he can run, and he takes hits. 
yeah, put those two guys on every Sunday. I'm good. And by the way, uh, I retweeted a clip of Josh Allen post game. He's running off the field. There's a young man holding a sign up who was obviously a big Josh Allen fan, had his jersey on. Josh Allen not only runs over to him to say hi to the kid, but the parents were having a hard time figuring out how to unlock the phone and how to take the picture. And like so many athletes would have just been like, Hey, high five. See ya. I don't have time to stick around here while you figure out how to unlock your camera or your phone to take a picture. He was so patient with the family and took a picture with the kid and the kid's face after Josh Allen ran off. Like that kid will remember that moment the rest of his life. Obviously he's got the picture, but the the little moments like that where you take a minute or two minutes to impact someone's life it was a really cool clip so josh allen isn't just a great football player he's a really good person too from you know all reports i don't yeah. know him personally but from everyone i know who knows him they said he's a really special guy and he does a lot with uh you know charity and kids off the field so you know, you look at who are going to become the faces of the NFL when Brady and Rogers move on, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, those types of players. It's Josh Allen. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Lamar Jackson. It's, you know, those are the players yeah. who are going to become the face of the NFL. And the league is in good hands, I think, with with those players as the faces. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Tua coming back. I mean, yeah, you got some fun electric players. The game has changed. These quarterbacks can run now. They can move. They can spin. They can. They're just fun to watch. Yeah, I think the future of quarterback play in the NFL is uh, is not lacking. I'm excited for that. By the way, uh, troll of the week tweet. And I retweeted this too at SB radio after the Seahawks beat the Cardinals on Sunday. There's that legendary picture of Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals, sitting in his, you know, modern looking Arizona house and he's got his feet up. And, you know, you're just like, wow, this guy is ready to be in, in GQ. Yeah. The Seahawks took that picture. They replaced Kingsbury with Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> they put this little, uh, you know, the, the, Thing in Chicago, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the silver thing. Yeah, it's the bean downtown. thing. The bean, yeah. yeah. They put that in the picture because <laughs> the Cardinals had included that in a tweet earlier in the season. So the trolling level for yeah. the social media team for the Seattle Seahawks gets an A plus. That that was that was clean trolling. The picture spoke a thousand words. It didn't need any words, and it was very, very funny to those who had paid attention to that picture in the past and the bean picture from earlier in the season. Um, well done, Seattle Seahawks <laughs> social media team. I love watching some of the trolling. That's fun with the social media when it's just like you said, clean, fun, you know, shooting pictures back and forth after a game. It's fun to see that. I think it's uh, it's good engagement. And some of those social media teams on the NBA and NFL, they have their they're dialed in. They know what to do. I love it. All right. Coming up next, Isaiah Austin. He's currently working in the NBA League office in New York. Um, just a great story. If you need an inspirational story, tune in and listen to Isaiah. He's doing great things now after getting some tough news in 2014. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. When it comes to your health and longevity, you hold nothing back. You understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul. 
Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash SBR. That's insidetracker.com forward slash SBR. My guest is Isaiah Austin. He's currently working in the NBA League office. He's a player development league director. He's a former basketball star at Baylor. He played pro basketball abroad for five years. He's got an amazing story, and I wanted to bring him on Sports Business Radio. I had the pleasure of meeting Isaiah in person in Colorado Springs at USA Basketball headquarters about a week ago. Isaiah, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I appreciate you asking me to join to come join and, and be able to share a little bit with your audience. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I just love people who are able to pivot in life and overcome things. And your life, you know, you have been an amazing basketball player. You've worked really hard. But then in 2014, uh, the story I heard is you were taking your physicals, getting ready for the NBA draft. And it was discovered that you have Marfan syndrome. And then doctors said, you shouldn't be playing in the NBA. So I can't imagine going from the high of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a first round pick to a few weeks later finding this out, but you've pivoted beautifully. What was it like when you found out this diagnosis? Cause that had to have been shocking to you. Yeah. I mean, um, when I found out it was, it was obviously devastating just because of the fact that, you know, you go, your whole life playing basketball and, you know, you're healthy, you have no, no hiccups in the road health-wise that they're describing, like, you know, shortness of breath, fainting after a workout. You know, I've, I've never experienced any of that in, in any part of my career, even growing up playing sports as a, young, as a, as a youngster, you know. So um, when I got hit with the news, it was actually five days before the draft. It was June 21st, 2014. You know, it was, it was just a, a moment that I it will just linger with me for the rest of my life. You know, it's like losing a, a loved one. You know, you, you're kind of always going to grieve about it, but it's never going to actually leave you. Yeah. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, invited you to come to the draft. You, you took the stage. You're now working for the NBA. Uh, as I understand it, he invited you a few years ago. Hey, you have an open invitation as long as you get your college degree to come to work for the NBA. What kind of relationship have you developed with Adam Silver? Um, a very personal one. You know, he cares about me as a person uh, more than anybody has cared about me as a basketball player. Just to be able to have that relationship with him and know that I can rely on him, you know, for anything uh, is actually something almost like a safe haven for me. Um, it's, it's been a, a rocky road, you know, going up to ups and downs, lefts and rights. But through it all, you know, he's, he's kept his promise and, you know, he promised me that I'll, I would have an opportunity available for me in the, in the league if I got my degree. 
So I graduated in July 2021, and then I started working with the NBA in October. That's fantastic. So, okay, player development league director, what's your job entail? Uh, a little bit of everything. You know, when people say player d- development, they immediately think that we're on court with guys, you know, and developing guys on the court. But we we really specialize in trying to help players develop um, off the court. So me, I, I specialize in youth development. That's why you saw me at the USA uh, basketball in Colorado Springs um, last weekend. But also, you know, we try to invite players to meet them where they are and to wait for them to be able to ask us questions about how they can further their career outside of basketball when the time is right for them. Yeah. I mean, what a resource you are to these young kids, right? Like you've been in their shoes. You were uh, a star at Baylor university. Um, You've, you've excelled in every area of basketball and for them to be able to pick your brain, I would imagine is, is pretty uh, fruitful for them. Yeah. I think it's just important, you know, um, for me to give back to the game because it's given me so much, you know, I mean, throughout my whole high school career, I was, you know, a, a highly talented player and everybody was just, you know, coming at me left and right, giving me advice. You know, some advice was wrong. Some advice was right, but it, it always touches home when you're hearing from somebody who is actually in your shoes. And, um, you know, all the, all the young fellas that I were, that I was speaking with this past weekend in Colorado Springs, you know, I think it was like 60 of them that came from all over the country. I was in their shoes. You know, I was a McDonald's All-American, a Jordan Band, Classic All-American, um, Elite 24. I, uh, by the time I graduated high school, I was the number one player in the country. So, um, you know, for them to be able to hear with me, I just feel like they can connect with me on a personal level and they, they'll actually listen. You know, it's not going in one ear and out the other. Was there a question that someone asked you last weekend that kind of stuck with you? Yeah, I think one of the kids, he actually reached out and uh, he he just asked me, like, how how did I face adversity? Like, how, how did I keep myself going? Because those players are, they were 14, 15, 16 years old. You know, they're, they're just starting life. So, right. you know, they're, they might just now be encountering um, a little bit of adversity in their life that they're actually aware of. You know, and um, I just, you know, just tried to tell them that I just had to keep a level head. You know, you, you, you got to know that basketball is a privilege, first and foremost, and that everything that comes with it after, after that, you know, it, is a gift. So um, I just tried to remind those guys to let them know that, you know, as they're going through this journey, there's going to be highs and lows. It's the same thing with everybody's life. I mean, I, I haven't met one person who hasn't gone through any type of hardship in their life. You know, everybody, we all have that one connectivity is that, you know, we just don't know how life is going to go. You never know if it's going to be fair or not. So I just try to tell them that, you know, as they're going through this journey, just remain calm, remain even keeled, you know, never too high, never too low. Um, you know, don't look down on themselves if they are going through adversity because just know that everybody else in the room is facing some sort of adversity with them. And then I just, you know, try to tell them that you can pull yourself out of the darkness, you know, reach out to somebody, speak with somebody. Um, I feel like as basketball players, you know, especially um, African-American basketball players, minorities, we're looked at as a different, you know, different type of being, you know, people just think that we're just supposed to be this amazing, strong rock foundation, you know, and that we're not supposed to hurt. And a lot of us go through a lot of hurt at an early age and we don't know how to deal with it. So I just tell them to reach out to somebody, speak with somebody, surround themselves with people who love them for who they are 
and they'll be able to pull themselves out of any any type of adversity that they may face in life. What amazing advice. And like I told you when I met you in person, you're such an inspiration. You know, a lot of people would have gone a different direction than you've gone after receiving the news that you received in 2014. And, you know, the way that you have handled this is is to be admired. So I can't think of too many people better to be speaking to those uh, young man last weekend than someone like yourself, who, like you said, has been an elite player, who has faced adversity, who has done all that you've done. I want to ask you about, even after uh, 2014, the diagnosis came, you still went and played, I think it was five years of basketball abroad. You played in 11 countries. It looks like it was an amazing experience for you. Did you ever have concern about your health? And how did you arrive at the decision to continue to play basketball, even though, you know, the NBA had kind of said, we're not going to allow you to play? Yeah, no, I never actually had any concern about my health. One thing about being an athlete is, you know, your body, you know, you you know that if a doctor is telling you that, you know, you're not going to be able to do this, but you feel something else, then you're going to be able to go do it. So when they told me that I was never going to be able to play basketball again, you know, I kind of looked at it a little bit weird because. One, I've never experienced shortness of breath. Mm. Two, I've never passed out or fainted after any extraneous workout. And I was, you know, the type of kid to be number one in the country. I put myself, you know, basically through hell to get to that point. Uh, Also, early in my story, you know, I lost my vision. So I had to retrain myself to actually pour a glass of water into a cup because I have no depth perception. So I, I, I worked extremely, extremely hard at a young age. And my heart rate always went up and I never experienced any of the symptoms that they told me that I would I would have. So um, I actually went to see my specialist, Dr. David Liang, after the diagnosis, after um, the draft and everything. And he monitored me for two and a half years before he actually cleared me to play overseas again. So I didn't make my return to the game until 2017. And and then, you know, just with his specialties, with him being a, a, a cardiologist, and a specialist in Marfan syndrome, you know, I, I had the utmost respect and belief that what he said was true. So I never had any concerns for my health plan. I knew that if I ever felt any type of shortness of breath or if I did, you know, get lightheaded or pass out or faint, that I would step away from the game because I have a son and I knew that basketball, you know, isn't the end all be all for me. You know, I, I knew that I had more important things in my life that mean more to me than the game of basketball. So if I ever would have felt that way. I never would have stepped away from it. I never would have continued to play the game. What incredible perspective. Uh, you killed it in China. I mean, 34 points a game, I think 16 rebounds. I saw you played more recently in the big three um, and you did really well there. You were the number one overall pick. What was it like getting back into competitive basketball? I imagine I got the, the juices flowing. Yeah, it was exciting. It was fun. I mean, you know, I, I grow, you grow up a competitor, you grow up competing at such a young age that it just becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of your nature. You know, you want to get out there and play against the best talent. You want to get out there and dominate the best talent, you know? So for me to be able to go out there and play competitively again, it was amazing. That's awesome. So is that behind you now? Is there any more competitive basketball or you're full time, you know, I'm working for the NBA. I know you have visions of, potentially being a front office executive is that the path that you're on now yeah so i'm actually full-time with the league now so um i don't i don't think i'll play competitively anymore 
me personally, I've, I've gotten everything out of, out of the game that I wanted to get out of it. You know, um, just being able to play overseas and be able to experience all I've experienced in the five years is like, you know, I, I got what I wanted from the game. And, uh, you know, I don't want to kind of like keep pushing it to the point that, you know, I, I keep each and every year I want to play competitively, you know, and then I can never walk away from the game. You know, I, I feel like I'm in a happy place in my life right now. So I feel like it's perfect, perfect for me to walk away. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everyone. Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting and most comfortable performance driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in uh, heather gray. I've got them in navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my rain long sleeve gray heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering sports business radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com, and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15, SBR15 at checkout. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com, and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, if I'm an NBA team owner, a coach, a GM, and I'm thinking about hiring you to work for my team, give me the the reasons why I should hire you. Like, what are you bringing to the table? You've already mentioned some of it in this conversation. Again, such an inspiration, and and you've you know walked in these players' shoes. But uh, what would you want to do specifically, and what would you bring to the table? I don't know exactly what I would want to do specifically on the team side, but uh, just knowing my background and, and seeing how basketball is now, it's like I just I just relate to it so perfectly. I mean, I was the unicorn before actual unicorns started right. getting drafted into the NBA. You know, I mean, I had guys who were ES, who were on ESPN commentating my games who were talking bad about me when I was in the in the era of growing, of playing because you know most people wanted those big bigs who played back to the basket and shot hook shots and only stayed in the paint. You know, I, I was called soft a lot for shooting fadeaways. And, and I was called, you know, almost like I wasn't, they were calling me a, a soft, a soft big because I wasn't playing how normal bigs play. And then now you look at the kid Victor, who's going right. to be the number one draft pick, you know, and, and everybody is just loving him. So I'm loving the recognition that he's actually getting because, you know, I, I fought so hard my whole career for that to be respected and to see it respected now in the game, you know, it just brings me a lot of joy because the game is going to continue to to make these strides and, and people are going to start to differentiate themselves from other players. And I feel like, you know, you've never seen 7'4", who's 
who's put the ball on the ground and played as fluent as he has, but you have seen seven one do it before with me. So I know that I, I have an eye for talent. I know that I bring just a, a genuine personality that'll that'll be around that just always shoots people straight. You know, I'm not a yes man. Um, I've always, if you can ask any of my college coaches, I've always been the person who just tell people how it is, you know, and um, I feel like a lot of teams do need that on the team side. But if somebody is to want to bring me bring me in eventually um, as a GM or an assistant GM, you know, I feel like they'll be getting the right person. That's for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it is so interesting that you mentioned uh, Victor Wembenaya, I think is his last name from France. And you know, a lot of people until recently had never seen him play other than on maybe some uh, YouTube videos or, or social media, but he was on ESPN and, you know, everyone's saying, wow, what a discovery, but you're right. I mean, you're three inches shorter than him, but you were kind of Victor Wembenaya before there was a Victor Wembenaya. Yeah. And, you know, I, I owe a lot of that to Kevin Durant, you know, because I grew up watching Kevin Durant play and, you know, even when he was still playing you know they they liked it but he was a one of one you right know? and then when I was playing I felt like I was a one of one I mean I was you know number one in the country for a reason but a lot of a lot of scouter scouters and a lot of teams actually didn't like how I played for some reason but um I, it's just funny how you see the, the game change from years to, from past years to now you know and I actually love it because I feel like basketball just has unlimited ability for for growth yeah it's almost like you are a few years ahead of your time right like if you had been playing in this era people would be gushing over you just like they are victor but you know when you were playing the the five didn't go out and shoot threes as much as they might now so it, mm-hmm. it's interesting i want to talk to you about baylor you played for scott drew who's been there for many years and very successful baylor won the title a few years ago what was it like playing for Scott Drew and playing at Baylor? It was amazing. You know, he was one of the coaches who really just let me be me on the court. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't challenge his players to be something that they're not. He lets them, he lets his players be what they are. And that's why he's such, such a great coach because most coaches try to get players to fit who they are as a coach. And he lets the players dictate how he coaches. You know, if, if he has a short, a smaller, smaller group, then he'll coach different. But if he has a bigger group, he'll coach a certain way. So, I just feel like, you know, I was blessed to be able to play underneath somebody who's just as special as a person as as he is a coach. So, um, you know, I owe Coach Drew a lot. I owe that coaching staff that had me there my freshman and sophomore year a lot because they helped me grow as a person. What would you say is the best piece of advice that you got from Coach Drew? Just humble myself. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but coming out of high school, you know, I was I was really big headed. I was egotistical. I, I wasn't very coachable. Um, I was I was a bad teammate. You know, I, I was kind of like this guy who just felt like everything should be handed to me. When I went to Baylor, it was just like this breath of fresh air because, you know, they showed me that I could be more than just a basketball player, you know, that I could be a man who was respected off outside of the court of basketball. And I could be somebody who, you know, people look up to outside of just being, you know, a, a top center in the in the country. And, um, you know, just that family environment, that Christian environment just helped me grow so much. It's, I, I owe them a lot to, you know, be the man that I am today. Wow. Uh, I want to ask you about name, image and likeness, because I've had some athletes on recently that were just mega stars in college and name, image and likeness wasn't around when they played. It wasn't around when you played. I look at this and I go, 
man, Isaiah could have made some money off of uh, name, image, likeness if it had been around when you had played. Do you ever think about that? What do you think about NIL now? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I was actually, you know, when we heard about the NIL, you know, my mom had the hardest time getting one of my college jerseys because every time they put my number in the bookstore, you know, they don't put your last name on it, but they put your number up there. Okay. You know, so the, the players and the students, they all know who who the player is. You know, for me, it was 55 and 21. That was in the store. I, it was Pierre Jackson and, and Isaiah Austin. And it was crazy because the first game of the season, my mom didn't have a jersey to wear for the game. So she was mad. She was barking at Coach Drew, like, how can I get my son's jersey? How can I get my son's jersey? And Coach Drew just finally was just like, you know what? He, he told me, he was like, just give your mom your game jersey. I'll get you an, another game jersey <laughs> for the next game. Because it was it was just selling out so fast every time it hit the bookstore. So, um, you know, I feel like I could have made a lot of money off of name, image, and likeness, uh, especially coming out of high school. Yeah. Do you think it's a good thing for college athletes uh, to be able to <clears throat> profit off of their NIL and, and their brand? Personally, you know, just my personal opinion, you know, um, just watching it, I think it could be a good thing. And I also think it could be a bad thing. You know, you don't want these players to think that everything is supposed to just be given to them. You mm-hmm. know, there still has to be some point where, you know, these guys are working up to a certain um, point where they're where they're able to get everything that they want and deserve. But um, as far as like play, paying players, um, I feel like the NCAA should have did it a long time ago, obviously, just for all the money that the players bring to the universities and everything. But, um, you know, it, it, I don't want guys to get complacent. You know, I don't want guys to, to, to get a little bit too comfortable with the money that they're making and then they stop trying to get better. Well, and like you said, and, you know, the guys we were with last weekend in Colorado Springs, they're so young. So now you start saying, hey, you got a clothing deal or, you know, you got a big social media following. So we're going to pay you for your NIL. I look back to like when I was 14, 15, 16, if someone was doing that for me, I, I might've gotten a big head. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, at some universities, you know, the, the players might be bringing in more money than some of the coaches, you know? So it, it, it gets down to, to those things, like, you know, just that respect factor. But I, I actually love that the players are able to get paid for their talents because you've made it this far. I feel like you should be able to take care of your family if you need to. Okay. Uh, my research tells me <clears throat> you're not Sorry, on social me. media. Are you, are you on social media anywhere? Um, just on Instagram. Oh, you're on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. All right. What do you think of social media? I mean, obviously when you saw me speak last week, we talked a lot about the pros and cons of social media. Um, you know, this is really, I'm not going to say a newer thing, but you know, 20 years ago, players weren't worried about what people were saying to them on social media. They weren't checking uh, constantly. What do you think about social media? Uh, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I like the exposure that it gives the kids, but mm-hmm. also at the same time, it opens up the kids to, you know, crowds of people that they might not have to interact with, that they shouldn't have to interact with at such a young age. I mean, you have grown men behind the screens and bad about these young 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, you know, and it's like, you know, these kids see these comments and of of course they're young, so they're going to want to bark back, you know, and it might end up putting them um, in a bad position at the end of the day if they say something wrong or, you know, if things get taken a little bit too far. But um, I love that the exposure that it brings them, though. 
Because yeah. I just feel like basketball is just such an exciting sport that, like, you know, everybody in the world is almost a basketball fan, you know? So, like, the exposure that it brings is great, but, um, you know, there are cons to it as well. Yeah. Did you have any of the parents ask you questions? I mean, obviously, you saw I got some questions during my sessions from the parents who are trying to keep tabs on their kids on social media just over the course of the couple of days. I thought it was great that parents were there. Um, did you have any parents ask you questions or ask you for advice? Yeah, I had a few parents um, that actually asked for my my parents' uh, contact information. Oh. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like what I said. Uh, you know, they they want to they want to speak with somebody who's been in their shoes. You know, who, mm. who's walked in their shoes. And um, you know, my mom and dad they they helped me with my recruiting process, even though I did commit early in the tenth grade. And I feel like a lot of these parents are going through that with their kids and they just want to get the best advice they can, they can have to be able to help, help their kid be as successful as possible. Well, I'll tell you what, your parents raised a, a fine young man in you, and um, I'm sure they could be really resourceful for these other parents who, like you said, are, are going through the same thing. So we'll end on this. Speaking of being a parent, your dad to a, a five-year-old, how has that changed your perspective on life? Because I know, you know, I'm a dad and it certainly changed my perspective on life. I mean, that's my that's my number one job in the world, you know, is to make sure that I, I show him the right way. I show him the right path to grow up and be a, a respectful young gentleman. You know, uh, my son just brings so much light and, and shining and, you know, happy aura to everybody who, who he meets. And I just want him to continue that all the way throughout his life. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I hope that you guys have a great holiday season. I know the pumpkin patch is always fun for the the young ones. Uh, is he going to dress up for Halloween? Or are you guys going to be going door to door and uh, doing some trick or treating? Yeah, we are this year. Uh, he's going to be Raphael. So I think I'm going to dress up as a Ninja Turtle as well. <laughs> I love it. You'll be the, the tallest Ninja Turtle in the neighborhood for sure. Right. Isaiah Austin, currently working for the NBA League Office Player Development League Director. If people want to follow you on Instagram, uh, do you know what your handle is? Yeah, um, just at Isaiah Austin, I-S-A-I-A-H-A-U-S-T-I-N. Excellent. Like I said before, it was a pleasure meeting you in person last week in Colorado Springs. Uh, I've been admiring you from afar for a long time. I just think how you've handled all this is, is so graceful and um, so wonderful, not nearly as many people would have handled it as well as, as you have. So, uh, continued success to you. And, uh, thanks for joining me on sports business radio. I appreciate you having me. Bye. This episode of sports business radio is brought to you by underdog fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy app ever released and the official gaming partner of sports business radio. And with early investors like Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff, I know that Underdog Fantasy is made for people like me who are on the go and want something quick, easy, and fun to play. And today, we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. If you sign up to Underdog Fantasy using the promo code SBR, they're going to double your first deposit up to $100. No risk, no long-term commitment, just sign up using promo code SBR and your first deposit is matched up to $100 for free. I already play Underdog Fantasy on the Underdog Fantasy app, 
But if I didn't, I'd use that free $100 and go for a pick'em contest where I can bet the over-under on individual players or team matchups. Or maybe the Best Ball Mania 3 contest worth $10 million in total prizes. All you have to do is draft a team for the season. No waivers, no lineups, no injury reports. Underdog Fantasy takes care of all of that for you. So do what I've been doing. Go to Underdog Fantasy, download the app, sign up with promo code SBR, and get started right away with a free match on your first deposit up to $100. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio, CG Young, Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.